Hi, it's Radhika Jones, Editor-in-Chief of Vanity Fair. If you love digging into the week's political headlines, subscribe to Vanity Fair. Our reporters take you behind the scenes of some of the biggest stories from the campaign trail to the halls of Congress. Just for our Inside the Hive listeners, save 15% on a yearly digital subscription to Vanity Fair with promo code POD15. That's VanityFair.com, promo code POD15, for 15% off one year of all you can read, watch, and hear. Nick? Nick. How are you? Very good. Should Should we get straight to the intro? Let's do it. All right, welcome to Inside the Hive. You want to do it? Welcome to Inside the Hive. I'm Nick Adler, and you're Nick Bilton. That is correct. So uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna start off by introducing you very very quickly, and then we'll jump into some topics that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Uh, Nick, you've worked with Snoop Dogg for how many years? Almost a decade. A decade with Snoop. You must be very high right now. Uh, what else do you do with Snoop? Well, so I am a the SVP at the Cashmere Agency, and I work with brands, celebrities, talent, influencers, and you know work on their social messaging and, and their content. And uh, and with Snoop, you you just get high with him. Funny enough, I don't smoke, but yeah. Oh, okay, well we'll get we'll get to that later. It's right. kind of like don't get high on your own supply. So no, I with Snoop, I've done mostly branding endorsement, and um, and also have sort of invested side by side with him, helped um, look at deals and uh, mostly in the tech space, some consumer products. And uh, we've done, you know, a lot of fun stuff over the years. All right. So I I have a question that has been on my mind for quite a while, which is um, we live in a culture now, uh, I'm just going to jump straight into it, uh, where it's a celebrity culture where pretty much anyone in, in America is idolized because they are a celebrity. And the the guy sitting in the White House right now, Donald Trump, is not there because he has some amazing business prowess. He's there because he's a celebrity. Uh, and um, and and you look around, you look at the fact that, you know, uh, what were you saying? Kylie Jenner now has a, a filter on Instagram or something like that? Yeah, on my way over here, I saw on Instagram there was a little blue check mark at the lower right corner. I clicked on it and there was a filter for Kylie Jenner that the, it was telling me that Kylie Jenner, you could, use, you could put her lips on your face. It's just amazing to have that global platform and to sell your own product to have a billion plus people. A billion, billion plus people now are putting their lips on their, on Kylie Jenner's lips on their face. So, so you, and you've also worked, you've worked with a lot of celebrities and you've worked with Snoop for all these years. And, and I wonder, you know, when I look at the world that we live in, and it has transformed while we have been here on this planet. This is not something that happened 70 years ago. This is like the last couple of decades, right? In the last like seven minutes. Yeah, maybe seven minutes. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying like the celebrity culture. <clears throat> do you look at it and think as you work with these people, do you think like, wow, this is really fucked up. This is not the world we should be living in? I try to look at it from a little bit more of an optimistic approach, but I think I can't help but see things that are happening on social media and just in, in the political landscape right now and be like, oh, well, there's been some huge mistakes that have been made. So, yeah. so the answer is yes. I, you know, I think that there's, there is some upsides in, to, to this access and to this distribution that we've created. You're so talking th- about social media in social general? Social media, but I think, yeah, no doubt. I mean, celeb culture, influencer culture, it's moving so fast right now and it's, going in many bad, bad places. So, yes. So, is there, so is there someone who works with some of these people? I mean, I, like, I look at Logan Paul, for example, and, yeah. I, and I think to myself, like, 
first of all, he just seems like a total tool. But yeah. but putting that aside, like what's more depressing because there's lots of people that are jerks in the world. What's more depressing is that he has such influence over millions of kids, and uh, and he thinks that the things he does uh, does he think that the things he's doing are okay? I mean, it, it, undoubtedly it, he thinks that they're fine. Yeah, yeah, 100%. and and so. Does someone have a responsibility to like lob him over the head and say, "Hey, you're not you're not putting society in a better place," or, or am I just be am I just the asshole that I care? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I mean I don't think there is any kind of roadblocks right now. I don't think there is anybody to police that or patrol that. I don't think there ultimately there should be Logan Paul. As crazy as it is, I mean, realistically, the guy could become president one day. Logan Paul. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, there is a possibility. It's not a remote possibility. There's a possibility that in X number of years, like 10, no, more than that, 20 years, this guy could be the president of the United States. The, the guy, I'll give him, I will kind of talk a little bit about him because I think ultimately there is something to this person. Okay. Like well, what not, is it? I don't know. There's something that is, is engaging and captivating, goofy, um, and relentless. One thing I've, I've learned from Snoop and Beyond is that to be successful on these platforms is not a fluke. These guys are machines. They work so hard. Now, they don't care who they offend. They don't care if people like them or not, which is the kind of the flip side of it. But they are amassing massive audience and they're, and they're essentially unstoppable. So they do something so ridiculous, but it doesn't even destroy them. Yeah. Not, it doesn't even Logan destroy Logan them. Paul did the most ridiculous thing I've seen in a long time and didn't it destroy, didn't destroy him. him. And he's on his way, you know, he's on his way back. I'm sure some of these people clearly are, are messed up. So they're going to do it again. And I hope eventually sabotage themselves, but look at, I mean, it's, it's worked well for the president. But it's worked well for the president, but it's worked at the expense of democracy. Right. I mean, it's, it's a, um, he uses this it's it's interesting i mean i when i first i was talking to actually my old editor at the new york times this morning and i we were emailing back and forth cuz in 2012 i wrote an article that said apple would be the first trillion dollar company it just happened and it just happened i was super late like uh, 5 minutes ago yeah, right yeah yeah uh for people listening tomorrow or yes on friday it'll have happened yesterday but but I remember writing this article, and I spoke to all these analysts, and they predicted between 2013 and 2015. And and I emailed my editor. I said we were right. We were just off by five years and uh, or four years. And and I was and he wrote back. He said we were actually right about a lot of stuff because I wrote back then in 2012 about 3D printed guns, and we saw that happen this week. Uh, and uh, and what's I said, but we were wrong about one major thing, which was social media. Back then I used to say social media is the greatest thing that's ever happened to society. It's going to fix all the world's ills and this, that, and the other. And I actually truly do believe that it is probably one of the worst things to happen to society to, when I look at it today. It's, I mean, it's the greatest thing for narcissism, but it, probably but, the worst thing for society. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. But should, should, we, should we be, as someone who invests in these companies and also you know, uses them with Snoop on the platform, um, as, as platforms, should... Should we be doing something? Should we be pressing these companies to not allow? <clears throat> or, or am I just a old pessimistic lunatic? I mean, should we? I, I don't. I don't know if we should. I think that it'd be nice if we could evolve to a place where there's proper ethics and proper ways to use these platforms. But I don't think. We have the tools to police them, and I don't think we, we ultimately want to 
police them because, you know, then we're starting to sort of control people's, you know, rights and stuff like that. But we've given a lot of people a platform, a lot of big assholes a platform, and they're not doing any good for first culture society. On the flip side, on the other side of it, we've given people without a voice a voice. Like there's, there's kids or, or, you know, creators or artists or politicians living in small towns in places where you didn't have access to a voice. And, and now you do, you know, there's, there's some with terrible voice with, with audience now, but there's some, you know, who gives them this, this democracy, this, 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 the freedom to, to like create an audience, a niche audience. Like that's one part of this whole thing that I think is amazing is how specific is the new broad, how niche audiences or, or, or people with really specific tastes have now, you know, they have their own audience. That's the upside I will give to certain a- assets of, of, of this social media influence thing. So, so are influencers, do you think that they're a net positive for entertainment and society or are they, is it kind of a bit of, as with everything, a little bit of both? I, that's 100% a little bit of both. <clears throat> I mean, there's, 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 there's I, I, look, I have little kids, right? So do you. I worry about the world they're growing up in and the influence and the narcissism and the, the just the obsession and the addiction. Um, but I also do appreciate the ability for people to have an audience and for people to be able to create art across these platforms and to spread positive messages. Not all bad. There's a lot, the bad stuff, and, and you know this better than anybody, right, being a, being a journalist, but the negative stuff gets clicks. The, the clickbait, the stories, the, the condescension, the attack, like that is what people want to follow on Twitter. That, the, the beefs on Instagram, I mean, that obviously gets more views, but there's people who are using these platforms to create an audience, and I, and I think that's good, and frankly, like, I, I fall into it. I mean, I, I think, like, I realize now, if you don't have an audience, if you don't have a, a group of, of, of people that follow it, then you don't have as much power as other people. You, that power is, is, is a big thing. Trump, love the guy or hate the guy, has massive power because of this audience, fake or not. It's still, it's still a massive audience. Yeah, I, 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 I totally see what you're saying. I just, I just wish that the audience is – I wish that the audience and the power would fall into uh, to less douchey hands. The powers of good. Yeah, into the powers of good. All right, so so just switching gears a little bit, and I want to get to Snoop Dogg and some of your investments in a little bit because I, I know you've got some fascinating stories. But you and I were talking this weekend about – you had a really good point about how the um, <clears throat> the disruptors that have disrupted all these companies have just become better, shittier versions of the things they disrupted. Tell, tell me that thought. Yeah. So I think the kind of – idea that I've been playing with is like, you know, what, what's new is essentially becoming old again. It's like this idea that, you know, in 2010, 2011, everybody was changing the world. And these guys, I think a lot of them still believe they're changing the world. And now we're talking like the Ubers and the Airbnbs. I'm saying sort of, um, disruptive technology companies, Silicon Valley, LA, New York, wherever these hubs of disruption are, where there's these groups of people who are running around saying like, oh, we're not here for the Money, we're here to change the world. And I think that was a, a great, compelling story for a long time. I think people believe that. And now, and now we're but caught it was, up. But it was bullshit, though, right? I, I, th- I think that even if – I think, yes, it was bullshit, but certain people did believe it until ultimately, you know, big money came into the industry and you have to earn. And now we're in a place where we're like we're, they're judged by public markets. You know, this is, a, this is a, a big change. So 
you know, I'm, these companies like Uber and Airbnb, right? They were amazing when they first launched. And I remember, you know, you get you press the button and there's your black car and the everyone's like incredible. Everything's clean and they're you go you, to the hotel, you go to the the Airbnb and it's like the it's like this is amazing. It's pristine. Yeah, and and then you know. It was cheaper too. Like you, you know, it was amazing. Like you're undercutting taxis. And then, have you taken an UberX lately? Oh, it's like you get you get in, and it's it's like oh, it's the drags, man. Yeah, it is like unbelievable that it reminds me of being in a taxi. Well, it, it actually actually I was in an UberX coming back from the airport, and I was like, man, I should have taken a taxi. <laughs> and I'm like, well, this is making a taxi feel like you know, even if the guys have it on his phone, like the economics of it and they've made it so cheap and I respect that but on the flip side of it like one day you're riding in an Uber X another day you're riding in an Uber X the next day you're going oh I'm just going to use the Uber Select which is twice as much money essentially what was initially the Uber X and I get that eventually it's economies of scale you get enough people you can charge them more and you you know you can dumb down the product but I was I'm sitting here and I'm like this is this is we've gone backwards so we're basically they've just replaced cabs with cabs they replaced cabs. They just all they did was make it easier for us to get that. You, cab. you could press one, and they've created it so that there's just one company that owns everything. It's sort of like a a monopoly of 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 economy. So there's there's that, and then you know the same with with like we said with with an Airbnb. There's a, you know I'm sure the the dating apps as well. Like what's interesting there though is like I think they're creating other niche products now. So you know there's the the probably the premium. Uber X app or the premium Airbnb, the premium dating app that are that are spinning off these, and there's going to be a bunch of different versions of those. So companies. does that mean that these com- companies that you know Airbnb and Uber both both on the verge of going public in the next X number of months, years, whatever? Does that mean that <clears throat> that because they've become shittier project, city shittier products of the version that they were trying to, or equally as bad product of the thing they were trying to trying to break, um, that they could be disrupted by someone else quite quickly. And from an investment standpoint, that's like, uh-oh. I think it's hard. I mean, the, the, yes, I think that all every product could ultimately be disrupted by a better product and one that catches critical math, math through whether it's social media, word of mouth, whatever. But in this landscape, they have so much control and they... It's, I think it's getting harder and harder and harder. And there's also so much distraction. It used, I think it used to be, and that's not that long ago, there was a few new companies doing a few new things. And now, you know, you're, you're being inundated and you're being marketed to with so many different things. It's hard to, it's hard to attach yourself to anything. So you're going to hold on to these, these few products until, until something really, you know, until something really changes. You're listening to Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. So you have invested in quite a lot of companies with Snoop Dogg. Uh, tell how did you guys? How did Snoop end up becoming? I mean, he came from from Compton to being a rapper Long to Beach, being Long, Long Beach. Beach sorry, yeah. uh, semantics. Get your, yeah, get your <clears throat> um, get it together, buddy. Uh, to being an investor and like you know doing like keynote PowerPoint keynotes at, at like events, at tech tech events and, and conferences. How did how did that happen? Um, that happened. Because of, um, number one, we wanted to learn. We saw our peers were doing stuff in, in technology. Who, but, who were the peers back then? I mean, peers, people in the entertainment space. I mean, I, I mean, Ashton Kutcher was obviously early, and I think he was making incredibly smart decisions and using, using his power to promote some of these products early. Um, 
so I think, you know, for us, I personally was a, I think I'm an early adopter. I like to play with technology. I like to look at tech and just, you know, when, when, um, Twitter was, I think in its sort of early stages, I'm going to, I'm going to say 2000, uh, 2008, maybe 2008, maybe even seven, seven, seven was when it was. Yeah. And I remember going on it and I wasn't managing Snoop on his social media. I wasn't doing any of those things. I was just using like kind of seeing what these products are. And I said to a friend of mine, I was like, am I an idiot not to understand Twitter? And he was like, well, you'd be foolish not to accept it but you don't have to use it. And I remember thinking, okay, wait, so this is, I got to, I got to pay attention. So I did. And I started to like, you know, work with colleagues of mine at, at Cashmere and we started to like, you know, use these platforms. And, and ca- Cashmere is what? Snoop's branding agency? No, or? no, no, no. Cashmere is a, is a, a social media marketing company. We focus. But, it's, but you're in Snoop, you're in the office with Snoop, right? It's like a part of. No, no. So, I mean, Snoop has his own, you know, his own place of work. He is a, um, you know, multifaceted talent. Um, I worked with his manager, Ted Chung, for many years on the, on the management side where I focused specifically on branding and endorsement pre-social media. And then as social was developing, I kind of, that was a natural extension of that. So exploring Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all these things just to see how they could extend his brand and we could do marketing deals across his media platform. And that inevitably then led me to meeting investors, angel investors, entrepreneurs, private equity, things I didn't know anything about pre this job. I didn't have a business school education. I didn't know finance was like so foreign to me. When, so back then, 2007, was Snoop as, is Snoop more famous now because of social media and things like that? Or was he as famous back then? 100%. Well, I mean, 100% more famous now. I think there's more extensions of his brand. He's famous. He's globally famous. Yeah. He's done that with or without social, but he has so much extension to touch and talk to people on a daily basis that I think that's where um, it's really helped. So you, you guys, you start you and you start using Snoop and uh, and you guys start investing in these companies and and you came up with a strategy, right, where you were like, we can help these companies kind of grow and maybe get like a little cut of it. Uh, but, but that didn't work out so well with Instagram. Tell me that, tell that story about what happened with Instagram. Um, it's not that it didn't work out. It was the, we did, I didn't know. So I think this is going back to the early phase. So I was an early adopter of products and I happened to come across Instagram when it was probably a few hundred thousand users. I mean, that's how early it was. And, um, I remember, going on it and I remember kind of seeing some friends of mine talking about it on, on Twitter and I was like, let me, let me, let me try it out. And I remember using it and being like, oh, this is really, this is cool. But it was, I mean, it was, it was such a simple product then. It was like a few filters and you post them and you can make yourself look cool, right? Or you can make your food look good or you could take a photo of a rock, right? Which is kind of essentially what I was doing. I remember taking photos of like... Rocks. Rocks, yeah. <laughs> and so... Uh, then I tried to figure out who was behind this company. And, and I don't even think at that point there was really like LinkedIn was, I don't even know how far it had evolved at that point. And I went, um, I searched online and I eventually ended up on Quora, hmm. which was kind of the, I think tech 
talking yep. spot. Yep. People where, where people could, you know, pontificate. And I, uh, I found the founder there. Kevin Sistrom. Kevin Sistrom. And I emailed him and he emailed me back. And, uh, he was like, I could tell he was, he was excited. He was like, this yeah. is really, this, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't even think it was about getting on the platform. I was just like, Hey, I like what you're doing. I'm going to be up in San Francisco. So I flew up to the Bay with my colleague, Ryan Ford, and we did a couple of meetings that day and we went to, um, South Park. Uh, it was, it's the old Twitter offices. Yeah. yeah. I went to, I went to. <clears throat> His office and it was um, tiny, like smaller than this room. Yeah, yeah, it was about the size of this room. Yeah, and this room, I don't know for context, is about how big. It's small. Yeah, so <laughs> we're in the room. about. I think there was like maybe four or five guys in yeah. there, and um, and he's you know he said he introduced us real quick, and then we walked down the street to a coffee shop. While we were in that coffee shop, we were um, just he was talking about the product, and I, you know at that time, I had met him since then. But at that time, it was just it was just a product that he was excited to do, to do things with that there was an audience. I didn't even know you could invest in companies at that point. So that's really <laughs> what it comes down to. I, I had no idea that, you know, you could get equity and it just, it just was, I mean, this is just, it was just but I don't pre- think actually in your defense, I don't think back then people were doing the equity for play play. I don't think they that weren't. existed. I mean, they, I mean <clears throat> there was, they weren't, I mean, there was, it was happening in consumer products and things like that. You know, you'd seen Snoop, uh, uh, 50 cent and vitamin water. So mm-hmm. there were things going on, but it wasn't as obvious, right? It wasn't like a, a must do. So we're in this meeting with him and we're, 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 we're just kind of hanging out and, and in, in there, you know, we liked him. We're like, oh, let's, let's throw up a photo. And we did. Of Snoop, on Snoop's account. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was uh, of Snoop holding a, um, a now defunct beverage that What was, beverage was it? It was called Blast by Colt 45. Got it. And, uh, and then we hung out with the guy for a little bit. We shook hands. We left. I remember because we went to a meeting at Zynga after like you can tell what kind of companies were happening you at that can point. see what era of time you were in yeah, yeah. and uh, we were sitting down with the biz dev guy over there and he basically I, I think it's about an hour and a half later he basically was like oh by the way there's a great article on uh, Snoop and TechCrunch and we were like what huh wait this is an hour and a half after yeah, you maybe, left maybe two hours later yeah. and uh, and the, the article's still out there yeah. you can search it and find it um it was written by M.G. Siegler, Siegler, yeah, yeah, and yeah. who's now a venture capitalist, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and I went on there and I basically read his article and I was like, "Whoa!" Like, and I remember it was like essentially Snoop, Instagram becomes official, huh? So I mean, it's really like this is user number celebrity user number one. I th- I think there have been a couple other people on there, but he was really well. I was already on there. Yeah, so. or you were. You were on there. <laughs> so you know, in that in that meeting. And I think, you know, in the, in, the, in the earlier part of it, we had definitely discussed, he's like, you know, there's more we could do together and let's stay in touch and all that kind of stuff. And so we did that. And then, and then we, you know, it was cool. We went back to LA. We were proud of the sort of attention that we had gotten. But then all of a sudden, you know, I realized, um, you know, about a year and a half later, I think to that day, they sold for a bill. Yeah. And there were some congratulatory emails and I was like, well, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, so, <laughs> um, you know, I shot those guys an email, an email. I, I had, I had then followed up with the founder since then 
and had a coffee or two. And I remember there was a clear change in their approach. It was kind of funny because, you know, in the, in the initial meeting, it was like, yeah, we want to, you know, this product, we want to do great stuff. We can do product integrations. And then the next time I, I saw them, like, like it was post Facebook and I was like, no, we're just the pipes of the internet. <laughs> and, I, and I remember it took me like 10 minutes to figure that out. I was like, what does that mean? You're the pipes of the internet. Now it's like, everybody's like, we're the pipes. But at the time yeah. I was like, you're the pipe. Yeah. We just want, we just want to be an open platform. And, and I was like, oh, okay. You know, I kind of like, I went back a little bit shell shocked, but um, so, so now, so you, so after that happened, did you, did you start coming up with ideas to say, okay, we won't sign up with your service unless we get, unless we get something out of it? No, but I did start to be proactive in how I reached out to companies to say, Hey, I like what you're doing. Let's meet up. Let's talk. Let's figure out ways that we can collaborate together. If a product's good. I mean, that, that's, I think the number one thing that I would say to this audience or to any create or in, um, entrepreneurs out there, like. If a product's good, a product's good, and people will use that product, whether you pay them or not. If the product's bad, yeah, there's been times where we've been like, we're not going to use this, no matter how much equity you give us. This is capital. Like, you need to pay for us to essentially endorse this product. On the, on the flip side, when we've seen great companies been like, oh, well, you know, can we invest in this? Can we do something to create advisory equity? Um, and that is, you know, how that's worked. And I think... Yes, there's been the, the Snoop Dogg um, element of, of how we work with companies, but separate from that, like, you know, I've tried very hard with, with, with the, my colleagues to, like, you know, take the experience that we have and work with these companies and say, hey, we understand the multicultural millennial, like, let us, you know, let us invest. So we've built an interesting portfolio through just being honest with these companies. So if you were to look forward to some of the things that you see kind of happening with I mean, why doesn't Snoop have a podcast? Like, what what are some of the things that you see as kind of the next platform that someone like Snoop Dogg would be kind of adopting? Well, he does a lot. I mean, he does a lot, and he does it himself. So it's not necessarily like <clears throat> I'm, the, you know, myself or or or, or the team where the the gatekeepers to, to the to the products. I think he is now at a place where he handles. I mean, he manages most of the social media himself. Yeah, um, he he, he tweets know, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's found in a very authentic voice, and you know it's it, it, it's him. It's it's hard to look at new tech now and say I want to use that. I want to use this because it's like again, there's so much clutter, and we're we're down to like three or four basic social tools. There's other types of things that we're looking at now that could be that could be helpful in in other spaces. I think. Um, you know, that is how I look for me personally, when I, when I'm looking at, you know, things now and, and looking at it from an investment standpoint, or even from a marketing services standpoint, it's coming to me now through people that I trust and respect in this industry, guys that I've created relationships with, whether they're people like, you know, friends of mine who are entrepreneurs or, or, or venture capitalists. And the funny thing now is the irony now is that from going from a space where I didn't know much to now feeling like I have a decent understanding of the space. And I think there was a smaller network of, of venture guys and angels out there. Now I feel like, especially in LA, you turn around, it's like being a film producer in the 90s. Like everybody's like, oh, you have a venture fund. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? You, you have a fund? And then, and then I realized like, oh, the level of sophistication isn't even that deep where, you know, you meet some people and you're like, there's incredible due diligence and you can tell them what you do and they don't say cliche things where it's like, now I got to a point where I meet so many of these venture guys and they and they say the same thing it's the same yep. thing it's like oh well that's a well that so that was my next question actually so you, you when you look at these venture guys i mean look at the the bird scooters for example right mm -hmm. uh 
one day there was no scooters. The next day there were God knows how many, thousands and thousands everywhere. And then there were, then there was Lime, and then there was, you know, Ubers getting into, into scooters and, and Lyft and this, that, and the other. And, and, it, and I guess the, the question I have is, from an investment standpoint, do these investors just have no creativity whatsoever and they just they see one tiny little glimpse of something that is going to work and, and that's, they're like, oh, we've got to go for that? Or is it that they see one tiny glimpse of something and they're like, well, that's going to work. We're going for that. Yeah, I think it's more the latter, but I do think that there are, there's a lot of creativity out there and there's a lot of people that are taking risks on, on different things. And sometimes things that I look at are just, I think it's absolutely silly. And I think like, you know, there, there is a little bit more of like, what's the massive 100x upside to it rather than, hey, here's a good company doing good things that our money could be helpful towards that could get a, you know. That's not uh, what that venture no, capitalists look at. No, yeah. it's, it's 100x. So I think in that, there's also this FOMO, right? It's the fear of missing out. Like, people missed Uber, right? People missed Lyft. People missed Instagram. So they don't want to miss out. So when the big firms go all in for hundreds of millions of dollars and the great, um, you know, uh, big names go into things and everybody wants to get on board. So I think it, 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 it's just, it's essentially, I don't think it happens every day now, but I think Bird, which I think is a, is a pretty interesting product. Oh, I think it's a fascinating product. You know, and I think there's, you know, there is some issues, but there's a lot of upside to it. And I think like everybody saw that. I was like, I, I, need, I need a piece of that. And these guys were able to leverage that super fast. What was, what's so fascinating about Bird, the scooters, is that, you know, I was early on every platform because it was my job. I was early on Twitter, on Instagram, on all these things. And uh, using Uber, I remember when Uber only existed in San Francisco and it was only black cars. And I remember the first time I used it. And and there's a lot of times I use these things and I'm like, eh, that's not going to do anything. Uh, and I actually thought that with Twitter at first. So uh, <laughs> my radar is not 100% accurate. But but then there are these moments where you use it and you're like, holy shit, this is going to change everything. Yeah. And there's been this kind of challenge with um, uh, with transportation in cities. They've, they've always been trying to come up with ways. Remember the segues? They were like, it's going to change everything. Yeah, and, yeah, and it didn't. And I think that I, I saw the scooters all over the place and I was like, eh, it's not going to do anything. And then I rode one the other day and I was like, oh, this is something that's going to change everything. Yeah. And, and I think that I, it's fascinating kind of to see how what's so interesting is how quickly it happened with this yeah you know as you were talking about with instagram it took a couple of years before facebook was like we're going to buy this company and it wasn't even that big back then yeah these scooters are just like that yeah is is that an example of the fact that just from like the investment stuff that you look at that this that things are speeding up even more um and and aren't there consequences to that (laughs) yeah i mean look i think that's one of the downsides to the, you know, I, I, I was using the scooters last week in Santa Monica and it was a Saturday and they were literally across the street and everything was dead. There was no battery left in anything. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was like, but on the, you know, there's so many different choices now. I just think the barrier of entry there was low enough that people could get in fast. Like you can go to China, buy a bunch of these scooters, get them on the street plug in the technology and now it's a race to really being innovative. Like I can only imagine where these come, if, if, if these companies really are looking at the space from an innovation standpoint, it's probably going to be amazing one day. If you go in, there's like a mini one person car, whatever the case is. And it, you know, it, it really does kind of work within the Uber or, or it goes the reverse way. Like I said earlier, where, you know, you're just jumping on an electric 
sidewalk or whatever. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but so, so I think in certain spaces that it still takes R and D and it still takes time. And sometimes we do neglect that. And another place is a lower barrier entry. And yeah, you can, it can happen. It, it, there's, there's, there's six versions of everything, like every, everything that, ha- that works food on demand to like, there's just there's one happens hundreds of versions yeah, yeah. Of and, then, and then it's the most money it's the most marketing all right so uh we we have like uh, a little bit of time left i want to i want to ask uh someone I, first i want to come back to the beginning of this uh and when i talked about celebrity culture and how i wonder if it's ruining the world or if it's just kind of part of the course that comes with media and, and technology but when you do look at these platforms now as someone who's kind of helped uh, bring attention to them, and you know Snoop uses them so much. Do you kind of have any regrets? Like, do you, or is there like, is there part of you? Of course, part of you is your job, and you want to get the people you represent out there, and you want to invest in these companies. But is there part of you that thinks like we should be doing this differently? Not really. Really? I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't have regrets in any of the work that we've done. And how we've used the platform. I look at things and how people are using it, and I and I feel sad, and I like, am uh, I think it's unfortunate. But um, I've always looked at most of this this global reach and this voice as being a great tool and something that you know we can use to build our media brand, build our you know sell products share a voice and, and do positive, do positive things. Um, there's a, there is a, there is a downside to it, but I don't feel like anything we've done has, has contributed to that. Um, all right. So let's, I want to hear a couple of Snoop Dogg stories. I mean, well, I mean, stories or, sorry, um, stories. So I think, uh, I, I what, mean, what is it? Okay. Here's the question I have. Snoop's, I've met him. He's a, a incredibly charismatic guy, no patience. It seems like. Correct me if I'm wrong. Kind of no bullshit. Like I'm just like this is. I'm Knows Snoop. What he wants, yeah. you know, I know what I want. Uh, often very high. Um, do, do what is it like? I mean, you. I go in the room with some of these people. I'm kind of nerdy. I'm not gonna lie. You know, like. But I go in the room with some of these people, and I'm like, holy shit, you are a nerd. What is it like for <laughs> Snoop when he meets some of these tech people? Um. We've had a lot of different meetings. I mean, it's, it's, I think this is actually an interesting point here is that like we've had a lot of meetings at this point with, with people who are investors or the entrepreneurs, et cetera. And, um, you know, you learn how to not waste time and be effective with these. Like, it's rare that we'll have that meeting unless we really feel like there's an opportunity and a business play. But, um, there's a, kind of a feeling that happens sometimes when, when we walk in the room where I think there's a sense of like, oh, these rapper music industry guys, oh, they don't, they don't know anything. Like there's a sense of like, I'm going to talk to you in a, it's not patronizing, but I'm just going to talk to you and, I, and I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to tell you how it works. And we just sit back, it's very quiet and listen to, to an incredible amount of things that they're just giving us. Huh. They, just, they come into the room and just give it to us because they feel like, they feel like you know, we might not have uh, gone to Harvard or Yale or you know one of the Ivy Leagues and had uh, you know business school training, right? But 
we have experience and crazy hard work. And incredible now to think about the portfolio we have. It's actually probably longer, deeper, and, some, and better than some of these other guys. From the VC so, firms? Yeah, from yeah. the VC firms and even from the, from the entrepreneurs who a lot of times are really young. Yeah. And, you know, but like really like big egos and ambitious. And I respect that. But it also leads to this thing. So we kind of sit back and just let it happen and just let it wait to a point where I think they really feel like, oh, I've really, you know, really shown these guys. And then, boom, you know, hit them with the questions. And you realize, like, the level of sophistication, you know, especially, like, like Snoop. I mean, this guy has been um, in the industry for over 20 years. Like, he's seen and done deals that people can only dream of. When he was, you know, famous at globally famous at 20 years old, wow. right? You know, like big checks were coming, you know, when I was in junior, junior high school, you know. So I so people people forget that, and then you realize, oh, I'm sitting across from a really seasoned entrepreneur and a person who's done, you know, has a lot of experience in the industry. And I think then we leave, and a lot of times we don't even expose ourselves. And show them how much we actually know, and that comes through the the deal process, or, or or ultimately how we can help at the end of the day. But it's kind of funny because that experience in that room is also what leads us to realize, like, it's not just about the deal, it's not just about the economics, it's about the person, the entrepreneur, the venture capitalist, the 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 pizza man, the taco maker, whatever it is. It's like, is that person cool? Do they have work ethic? Are they are they in? It's for the funny. Ride? Reminds me. So Mark Zuckerberg used to famously wear a hoodie every single to you know all over the place and flip-flops and i remember speaking to someone who worked with him in his comms department and they said to me you know everyone thinks the hoodie is just you know mark is young and like wears a hoodie but it's actually an investment strategy when he goes into a room all these super smart people that think they're way smarter than him look at him and think oh here's the dumb kid in the hoodie and the flip-flops and you know the, the same great t-shirt and it was it was his way of sizing up the room and letting them all kind of talk down to him and then being like, actually, this is the way it's going to work. It yeah. sounds like it's very similar. Yeah, totally. I mean, everybody has their own, their tools. And like, you know, a lot of people come in, especially people who um, have had success in, in, in this industry. They come in with big egos and they like to share a lot of information. And you can just sit back sometimes and be like, okay, well, just give it to me. I'll take it all. Yeah. And then... Um, and then, you know, sometimes they realize and sometimes they, they just keep going and then they tell stories about the time they, they met you, you know? This is Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton. Hey, Nick, are you having trouble getting sleep at night? Yeah, yes, I, I am. How did you know? Well, it's funny because the fine people at Mattress Firm want to help you. Mattress Firm is here for you when you're looking for ways to improve your sleep, which you are obviously trying to do. Uh, they have these people here that at Mattress Firm, they are mattress experts. Uh, they are experts when it comes to your bed, to your headboards, to adjustable bases. They even do sheets. Uh, they also do bedroom decor if you and your wife are looking for some new uh, bedroom decor. Uh, and they've got you covered literally and figuratively. Get it? Literally and figuratively? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it makes sense. Uh, so if you go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast, you can save 10% on a mattress right now or any of the stuff that they have putting in the code PODCAST10. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-1-0. It's uh, Mattress Firm offers you, if you're worried, because I know you're a business guy and you kind of think about these things, uh, they offer you a 120-night sleep trial so you can rest assured that you will get the best mattress and the best sleep or you'll get your money back. And they also offer a 120-night low-price guarantee 
so you know that you paid the perfect price for your mattress. Uh, they have 3,000 stores nationwide, so you can probably just walk to one after we're done with this podcast and go check them out. Do you remember what the code was and where to go? I'll tell you. Yeah, it, no, I know. It was It was in. Uh, go to mattressfirm.com slash podcast. Save 10% with the code podcast10. That's P-O-D-C-A-S. Podcast10. Got it. C-A-S-T. Podcast10. Do they headboard? Can I? They do everything. They wow. do the whole thing. Nick. I love a good headboard. Everything. You got it. Once again, mattressfirm.com. Um, all right, give me a, a good a good Snoop Dogg story that's gonna that's gonna be entertaining. You got you, you gotta have one. I mean, you've been with this guy for ten years. Well, I mean, look, we've done. I mean, I think we've done a lot of fun stuff. I mean, there's you know, I, I think there's all different. Types Were you of involved stuff. with the Trump thing when that happened? No, no, that's oh. not my thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, I think look at the end of the day, like we were in um, South by Southwest recently. I think, you know, yeah. this is a big, there's a big guy who's in the media right now. We're in South by Southwest recently. We were uh, DJing a party for Sound Ventures. Uh-huh. And um, it, I think a great, uh, great crowd was there. It was a mix of entrepreneurs, celebrities, investors, and, you know, just media people. And, and um, uh, I look over and, I see Elon Musk and it's kind of, I think very, I fell into that sort of celebrity moment where, you know, he's the big tech guy. And I was like, Oh, that'd be really cool to meet that guy. So kind of finagle my way, ask somebody, you know, who would help up at a range of events. Like, can we, can we connect with him? And, uh, I, you know, and it was like him, myself, and I was going to bring Snoop down and we were going to do it immediately afterwards behind the, um, DJ booth and uh, and kind of get back there. I'm with him. I'm with him first. You with Elon? Yeah. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the, uh, my core. I'm a still a sales guy. So yeah. I'm like, okay, let me figure out how to hook this guy. How can I talk to him? How can I engage yeah. with him? And I start throwing out my best. You know, hey man, how's it going? What's going on? You know, and nothing. I'm getting. I'm just. I'm just throwing. I'm just missing the dart. Like he's like, you know, a lot of yes. Uh huh. No. Yeah, and 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 like I just am, I'm feeling the sense of like, oh, this is not, this is not working. And then, you know, I think Snoop walks up, and I introduce him, and a few other people. We all take a, a photo together. A photo, which by the way was great. You know, it was me and Snoop and uh, Elon. Elon and. Um, Guy Osuri, but of course, when it went on Elon's page, I was cut. Yeah, he, it, which, I, it was so funny. Everyone else posted the photo of the four of you guys, and Elon cut you out. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. Yeah. You know, I, I, why, yeah, I, wouldn't, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't post the photo yeah. myself either. So wait, how was the interaction with Elon? Well, so, and, then, so, then, so then, you know, Snoop walks up, Elon's there, and uh, it was just a lot of missed signals. It was a moment, and it was, you know, a, a, an interesting and a, and, a, and a fun moment, but I remember saying, hey, you know, we'd love to come by and visit you guys are right down the street yeah we'll come by and he's like and then he looked at me and said okay well um, would you like me to connect you to somebody <laughs> and I was like uh, sure yeah <laughs> and, and, at that, and I just and you know I think if we'd been probably you know talking about Tesla or the sort of algorithms it might have been an easier flow but then so we did this whole thing and then you know everybody smiled and Snoop was nice and whatever and then the next day after it had been posted on social media, Snoop called me and goes, hey, was that Rocket Man? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that 
was the guy. That was so, Rocket Man. So, uh, so you know, the, you, these these crazy kind of encounters that happen. But that that was that was a fun moment. Um, but I think another you know another interesting story was like I think with us and Lyft with me and you. What was that? Um, you had been writing a piece on the. Uh, the the car um, so the, the self the, the, no, not the, self driving no, the, cars what the do you call car it? market the, the car market the, yeah the driverless the the, the the Ubers and the the apps yeah. Yeah. yeah what do you call it what is the term what's the, the uh, car I don't know on demand on demand thank you yeah on demand so the on demand economy and you were you were writing about Lyft and this was uh, I mean this got to be what five years ago yeah so Lyft was walking around with they had the Mustaches on the front of the car. Oh yes, I remember yeah. the mustaches. And so you 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 said, hey, what do you think of Uber and Lyft? And I said, I don't really have an opinion. And you were like, well, you don't think it's n- nothing? And I'm like, well, I think the the mustache is ridiculous. And you're like, well, that's great. Tell me more. And then you know, I was I, writing a. That's right. I, I remember now. I was writing a story for the New York Times, and at the New York Times, you always have to have an expert quoted in the story. Yeah, yeah. And I think you lived down the street from me at that point in time, and I was like. I, I, I cl- this column closes in like twenty minutes, Nick. Like, and you. So you gave you gave me this great quote. Yeah. Yeah, and so basically, you you. I said something like, I think they're ridiculous and they're silly and they should get rid of them and there's an opportunity to really do great marketing. And I didn't think much about it. And and then um, I think you published the next day and you quoted me like re- like I was like pretty central to the story where I was yeah. basically like they look like a bozo yeah and um i kind of was like uh oh it was my first experience where i was like i probably shouldn't have said that but i just then i got an email to their um to their credit i got an email from from lyft from one of the founders who was like hey i saw the article i'd love to talk to you and 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 get your perspective and and he called me and we had a great conversation he told me about what they were doing and um and it gave us the opportunity to then get to know them, work with them on the market side, and ultimately invest in them. And so Snoop Dogg owes me a big thank you. What, Lyft? <laughs> we all do. <laughs> but I mean, but it's but it, that it's a lesson where it was like sometimes you know if you if you give it to them straight, then it opens up doors of opportunity as opposed to being like you know oh yeah it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, you know, I was, I was a little nervous about how that played out, but it, it ultimately played out good in the end. To this day, we're, we're friends. And, and I will go back to that economy of, like, how old is the new-new and all that. I think, like, you know, all these sort of car th- cars, it's the same thing where they've changed in terms of the thing. But yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, those guys seem to have their head in the right place and they're genuinely trying I, to do I, it. I, I genuinely, do, like, I believe that there are some good companies out there Um Aaron Levy at Box, among them, uh, you know. Also uh, a funny guy. A very funny guy. A great, very, very, very great funny on guy. Twitter. Yeah. Uh, really I, good. for a long time, believed that Aaron Levy had a ghost Twitter writer, but it turns out I may be wrong. Uh, but like Lyft among them, um, and I think there are a few. Okay, so here's, here's where we're going to close out. I, speaking of being nice, um, I'm often very pessimistic on this show. And I, I want to give you the hat of. Uh, you now have been anointed chief ethics officer, and I'm going to go through a couple of companies. I want you to tell me what you would do to make that company better. Oh wow! And I how, have some calls. And how how it would be, how you could make because I don't I think that these companies 
are so bad because the people who run them don't put the effort forth to make them better. Um, they're more concerned with how they're perceived on Wall Street and by uh, the media and investors and so on from a from just a financial standpoint. All right, so you're now C chief uh, ethics officer at Twitter. What would you do? Super underqualified. Okay, but you're, you're, I, I still have assigned you the job because no one else wants it. What would you do to, to make Twitter a better place? Oh, man. Cut off the white supremacists. Immediately. Immediately. And what else? I mean, I just I, I'd like you to edit tweets, and I get why they don't. I'd like you, I'd like you to edit tweets, but I'd also just like I, I'd just show a little bit more of a moral compass. I know you as a company, you, it's hard to do that, especially when your bread and butter is right wing politicians. Yeah. But like, come on, like, there's some really bad people saying really bad things, albeit on all sides of the spectrum. But like, figure out a way to. Figure out a way to like expose them or to um, you know moderate them. Okay, YouTube. YouTube. I mean, it's it's inter I think YouTube doesn't get enough attention for the bad shit on there. Yeah. And all the conspiracy theories and Alex Jones like stuff that goes way beyond that. Yeah. What what, what would you do? <sighs> YouTube is. I mean, it's a beast. I mean, there's just so much content on a daily basis. Um, I I don't necessarily. No, like I, that one's a hard one for me because I think like, I think it's an, an amazing product where everybody can put up content. There's so many hours of content. You can find anything. I mean, on a very simple level, I try to create a slightly better editorial process where I go on the company, I go on the, the page or I go on YouTube and yeah. I'm able to sort of navigate more seamlessly to, you know, content that does a little bit better job like a Netflix or something. Yeah. But in terms of like editing it and, um, controlling the it I, I feel like you have to seek that out as a as a consumer whereas on twitter that just flows to you like yeah. the bad stuff just flows to you on youtube if you're seeking it you you have to go on you have to find it so that's to me the difference there and that's why i, I do find it ha harder to 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 censor or moderate that platform instagram do you think there's anything wrong with instagram I mean, Instagram is it's just a monster. It's like incredible. Like I go on airplanes and I watch. It's everyone. I, mean, I, fly, I fly a lot. And I think it, that airports are the most incredible place because it's people from all walks of life, right? So you get an airplane. It's, one, it's the one place where everybody's squeezed together from doesn't matter like ethnicity, uh, financial status. Well, there's another place, the DMV, but keep Right. Going. Well, I try to avoid that. But, um, but everyone's on Instagram. And like the product is is incredible. Um, I'd like to see them go in a direction less sort of, you know, pure teeny bopper and really try to elevate the media platform. But I understand, you know, what what they have to that they have to please everybody. So that product is is unbelievable. I mean, I'd I'd like I I think that they're you know, I think I, that how they did Instagram TV was a miss. Yeah, I think that was I think they could have done that in a in a better way. Um, Creating better ways to see long form would be interesting for them. Um, I have an idea of how Instagram could make could could. I think that the, there are a lot of good sides to Instagram, and I think that there are also some bad sides to Instagram. Like, but I think one thing that they could do is they could cut you off. I remember when 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 you 
um, and I have a lot of friends and family that have actually quit Instagram lately because they it's either all or nothing with the addiction level of it. And I think that I remember when the Wii came out. Remember the Nintendo Wii? Yeah. And you were playing the tennis thing and you're swinging your arms and. And then there's this thing that pops up, and they've been like, "You've been on here for 30 minutes. Maybe you should go outside take yeah. a walk." Like, and I, I feel well, like they just, they've done that now. Who? Instagram. With what? If you go down far enough, it's like you're already you're all caught up. Well, they they're doing that because they want you to come back in five minutes. I don't think they're doing that because they they, they want to make the <laughs> world a better it's place. A, it's a reverse. It's yeah. a reverse psychology thing. But like, I, I I don't know. I just think that there I think there are so many things these companies could do that would would be uh, better from an ethics standpoint, and they, and they just don't do them. But We'll see. All right, last final question. Uh, over the past 10 years, I have come full circle on social media. Uh, there was a point, and you knew me at this point in time, when I was obsessed. And all I could do was talk about it, and all I could do was use it. And I uh, haven't been on Instagram in, I don't know, a year. I just abandoned a couple hundred thousand followers on there. I haven't opened Snapchat in two years I barely use Twitter. I barely go to Facebook. Uh, and I, I have come full circle in the respect of I don't necessarily believe. I believe that there are a lot of technologies where they have good sides and they have bad sides. Um, for example, driverless cars will be amazing because they will stop people from dying in car accidents, but they will also probably be used in very nefarious ways and will you know harm you know, mom and pop stores and things like that. Um, uh, but I, when it comes to social media, I do think there's a lot of good that's happened as a result, Black Lives Matter and things like that. But I also think that there is more bad that has happened. And uh, and I, I don't believe that those companies will be around in 20 years. Do you? Do I believe that the companies like Instagram, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, do you think that they will, that we, there will be companies, the products that we will use in 10, 20 years? Do you think that they'll be around? Um, some of them I do. I think I believe that Facebook and Instagram will be around, um, because Twitter, not so much. I don't think so. Um, but I think because of the acquisition model at Facebook, that they they continue to buy the, they'll buy the product that people want to use anyway. It's interesting. I was talking to my mom last week, right? And I was talking about how Facebook dropped 20% and, you know, I lost a decent part of my 401k. I was like, yeah. oh, that's a, that's a lot of money I lost in, in one day. Um, but I'm still, it'll come back. So we'll sit it out. And, and my mom was like, yeah, no, I remember IBM. And I was like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I remember when, you know, in the, in the eighties when all we ever bought was just IBM, IBM, IBM. And it was like, I don't know, maybe what do you think it was? Maybe like five, 600 bucks. And I think now it's 125 bucks. And, it, and it's like, I could see the vision and the, and the opportunity that they had with IBM at one point. Yep. And now it's a small player in a, in a big, you know, in a big orbit. So there's no doubt in my mind that there will be new things that will overtake, overtake these, these things. Um, I do, like I said earlier, think we're in a place now where less companies have more control and they will fight hard to keep that control. So, you know, although I, I'd like to say there are the companies that don't innovate and aren't amazing and, you know, some 20 year old kid will disrupt it. But, um, but I think some of them like, like, you know, like Facebook and Instagram will, will, will definitely be around. 
Well, we will see. We'll have you back on the show then to find out. 10 years. 10 years. 20 years from now. 20 years. Let's do it. Nick Adler, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Nick Bilton, thanks for having me. Of course. You're a real match. <laughs> thanks to my guest. Nick Adler, the hottest SoundCloud rapper in the game. Uh, okay. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes with of Inside the Hive with who? Slick Nick Bilton. Slick Nick Bilton. You can find these on, come on, read this. Apple Podcasts, Google Player, anywhere you get your podcasts, and don't forget to leave a review while you're there. And follow uh, me on Instagram, Nikki Ads. <laughs> uh, thanks. Don't follow me on Instagram. It's terrible. Uh, thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. Thanks to my editors of Vanity Fair. And thanks, of course, to my sponsors, Vitamin Water and Mattress Firm. Please support them the same way you support this amazing podcast uh i love vitamin water I've, i love vitamin water yeah, yeah. i really love vitamin water no, it's good stuff the triple x one yeah, yeah. the dragon fruit no it's good stuff it's really good 50 stuff cent, man. uh and so is matt yeah i know we're, we, we we talked about that earlier uh all right folks i will see you all next week and if you are watching this video Either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There's five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts.